0: This is Warner Lewis, and welcome to another edition of Lewis at Large, smart talk and conversation with talented people from all walks of life. A reminder to subscribe to these Lewis at Large podcasts, go to Apple, Spotify, or Google Play. And if you like the podcast, hey, let others know about it. For context, my conversation with journalist Mary Roach was held in August 2021. Very pleased to have returning to... Uh, This microphone, uh, Mary Roach. Mary Roach uh, has been here before. She is an accomplished journalist. She is also an accomplished author. Numerous things. The last time she was on, we were talking about a work called Grunt, The Curious Science of Humans at War. Talking about a brand new work today called Fuzz. uh, Should be a very, very interesting one uh, indeed. And Fuzz, When Nature Breaks the Law. Again, she is a prolific author uh, works of nonfiction you have seen her writing in outside magazine national geographic and the new york times magazine amongst others and with all of that as sort of a rough introduction here mary uh, how are you my friend
1: i'm very well thank you lovely to be back
0: well, let's do this. Let's uh, give a little setup here. Uh, again, I know you enjoy you enjoy thoroughly researching and sharing interesting facts about interesting things, and fuzz will be no different. But tell us a little bit about the mindset you had, uh, wanting to approach what happens when animals do curious things.
1: Well, uh, I had stumbled onto this kind of strange 1906 book called The Criminal Prosecution and Capital Punishment of Animals, and they talked about how in the 1600s, 1700s, when animals broke the law, uh, whether they assaulted somebody or stole their produce uh, from the field, they would be uh, put on the trial and actually assigned legal representation and sometimes um, put to death as a result of what they'd done. And I remember thinking, what? Really? Uh, and it's actually it's a, a well documented book. But anyway, so that was I was I, I came across the book. I don't really remember where, but I thought, huh, I wonder what. Obviously, um, legal the legal system is not the best place to turn because animals don't, you know, they can't read the laws and you can't find them. And I mean, yeah, it makes no sense. But uh, uh, what what could science do? What uh, what what is the best thing to do? Obviously, you can't make them be law-abiding citizens. So you have to come up with different approaches, and there's this whole science I discovered called human-wildlife conflict, and that is uh, people trying to figure out what's the best way to prevent, uh, to keep basically people safe and uh, try not to be um, killing all of the animals, like other ways. Basically, wildlife crime prevention is, uh, is, is sort of what the book's about.
0: Okay. So, Mary, let me ask you this. Um, If you think about wildlife in North America, your thoughts probably turn quickly to a place like Yosemite or Yellowstone, and we're thinking bears and maybe mountain lions and goats and, and, and buffalo and some of those kinds of things. When we go to the continent of Africa, we're thinking lions, and we're thinking giraffes and elephants, all kinds of things. Do any of these, do all of these species of wildlife, do they share any particular law-breaking in common? Uh, or do they all have their own little little phylum of, of what bears always break these kinds of laws, lions do these kinds of things, or do they share some form of criminality together?
1: Yeah, well, uh, it, it comes down to, uh, as is often the case with human crime, it comes down to somebody has something that I want and I'm going to get it however I can. So a lot of these crimes, breaking and entering, home invasion, theft, (laughs) these are all motivated by, I want, in the case of animals, I want that food. So whether it's uh, an elephant in India who is breaking down your home, assuming your home is not particularly well built, (laughs) uh, breaking down your home to get to your, um, your booze, your home fermented booze. Elephants, uh, really, uh, enjoy a tipple. So, uh, you have situations where elephants are breaking in in the middle of the night and then people freak out. And again, as with human burglary, uh, if somebody surprises the criminal in the act, that's when people get hurt. So you have, um, you have elephants going after booze. You have bears breaking into cabins and actually homes. There's Cases in, uh, I was in Aspen, Colorado, where there's quite a bit of uh, problems with bears breaking into houses, usually when people are gone. But sometimes when people are sitting at the dining table, the bear comes in, grabs things off the table. People flee into the bathroom or wherever, shut the door, and the bear leaves. So it's um, that's the most common thread, I would say, is you've got something I want, and I'm going to grab it, and a lot, you know, if you're a big scary animal, um, you usually get away with it.
0: So we're talking about interactions with humans, but if a bear sees some food that it wants that is being protected by a mountain lion or something, those kinds of exchanges, those kinds of battles, those kinds of conflicts, and and and. Uh, Resolving those issues, those are common. Are you taking completely the approach of when they break a human law? Share with us a little bit about that
1: yeah yeah exactly it's it's uh human law, so yeah not not including um fights and and theft and things in the animal kingdom. that would be a twenty five volume set right <laughs> because um for all the Criminality that gets sent our way um, by animals. There's uh, they're they, they're beating on each other all the time. That's true. They're um, preying on each other, stealing each other's food. Uh, you name it. So no, this that will have to be the next volume. Well, no, not it's not in this book.
0: Okay, we'll we'll look forward to that next time. Again, we're with uh, she's a very prolific uh, journalist and author. Mary Roach has been on the show before, but we're talking today specifically about fuzz when nature breaks the law. So, Mary, um hard to know obviously for sure, but when a bear, for example, has an encounter with human beings and, I, and I'll just use I use Yellowstone as an example. They're crossing the road and cars are coming along or hikers are moving along. Um or do in, do we know anything at all about what their reaction is when they see a human being? Are they aware that the human being is not one of them, meaning part of an animal kingdom in the traditional sense? They see human beings walking. They see human beings running away. They see human beings getting into a vehicle and driving away, things that their animal counterparts do not do. What, what's our sense of that it, it, and their reaction to humans?
1: Well, the, a bear, uh, in you're giving the example of Yellowstone. So that's a bear that's likely seen plenty of people. And to them, uh, the, the first time they see a person, it's like, it's just a different animal that they haven't seen before. And so they're wary. They're going to be very wary. Um, they're going to be curious, especially the younger ones. You know, like the, the cubs tend to be curious, and they may approach out of curiosity. But it's just, it, it, I don't think that, they, that they're not unless this their first encounter involved um a gun <laughs> that you know then that that's definitely a highly alarming scenario but the uh, but, but generally speaking just um, wary slash curious but to, it, it's just another animal to them with a unique animal smell they're you know they they have not uh learned initially they don't know anything about it over time they come to associate humans with often with food, so it's an animal that they're um, inclined to approach and check out.
0: This book is filled with fascinating chapters. I'm just going to pick out a couple, and and just give me your thoughts about it. One that I was drawn to immediately because of the nature of our audience is called OK Boomer, (laughs) <laughs> failed military actions <laughs> against birds. So again, we don't want you don't be, be a spoiler, but but share us a little bit about okay, boomer. Failed military actions against birds.
1: Sure, sure. Well, the, the chapter opens with a um, a period of history that I, and this was news to me. There was a practice called crow bombing, and it was a uh, it was done by wildlife professionals uh, on behalf of. Hunters, actually, who are concerned that crows were stealing too many of the uh, duck eggs and that there weren't going to be enough ducks to shoot. So there was uh, also farmers. There were farmers uh, concerned that crows and other blackbirds were eating too much of their crops. So they would string, you know, that... Dynamite, they had, you know, there's papers on which works best, which kind of explosive, explosive, and does it work best in a can or an ice cream carton, and how many do we string through the trees, and thousands of, uh, you know, they go where the birds roost and set off these massive detonations, and, uh, you know, I imagine the whole town would turn out to watch. Anyway, it had no effect on the numbers of eggs stolen, the, the agricultural damage, or the population. Of crows in the in the long run because it was, there's just so many more birds i mean birds we're talking millions um migrating north, whether it's red wing black
0: how would you huge
1: flocks, huh? and uh, yeah. anyway so that's that's one of the failed military efforts you know against uh birds oh. there was also a uh an emu war in Australia, and um What I call the second battle for Midway Island during uh, and around World War Two. Wow! With albatross as the enemy.
0: Yeah, and and again, uh, going back to Fuzz, uh, when nature breaks the law, I'm assuming you could have written probably volumes on this subject. Is that a fair assessment?
1: I could have written. Sorry, you broke up a little there. I could have written.
0: You could have written volumes on this subject.
1: Oh, for sure. Yeah. couple hundred countries couple thousand species each one doing its own uh nuisance thing uh and each one with its own challenges and its own possible solutions so yeah I was I was just kind of you know picking and choosing and trying to keep it entertaining for people
0: so, are most of uh, what you were researching and all these different advantages, or excuse me, examples, whether it was birds or those that walk with four legs, uh, are so by observing this behavior and describing it, uh, are we? Are you suggesting in any way, shape, or form that they now that we know this behavior, now we know how to deal with it better, or we should just let it happen and enjoy it and just understand it for what it is?
1: Oh, a little of both, I think. uh, The more you understand the animal and its behavior and its biology, the more you may come up with some solutions to prevent the crime. I mean, there's some things uh, I would say there's people that, on the other side of that, there's people that feel threatened by the very sight of, say, a bear, or, or, or even just they don't like a raccoon passing through their yard um, and they call a wildlife control operator. You know, I would say is that is that animal causing damage? Is it causing any harm? Is it or is it is it just there? And in that case, maybe try to enjoy it or observe it and and have a little appreciation for it rather than instantly picking up the phone and trying to find somebody to make it go away. Um, but but definitely under, understanding the behavior of the of the animal can lead to some some good solutions, for example, talking about the you know, blackbirds stealing crops, stealing sunflower seed, for example, is grown in massive amounts right in the migration path of <coughs> red-winged blackbirds and other um, small cowbirds, grackles, birds like that, and so, you know, there are things that you can do, like don't plant your crops next to a marsh where red-winged blackbirds like to nest, So that's or like to stop and rest for the night. That's a um, you know fairly obvious one. Or plant a what's called a lure crop. You know something that they also would like to eat. It's cheap to grow. You can have that nearby to kind of entice them away from what you're growing. Or you could try to um, have the crop ready to harvest before the birds get there. Try to speed up the um, the time it takes for the. Seeds to be ready to harvest by drying them out. Of course, that requires a chemical spray, so that's maybe not the best idea. But anyway, uh, know thy enemy. I think is um, good advice in that right. in that situation.
0: Okay, so you you've got lots and lots of examples. We just got done talking about the military and birds. Is there a particular story that stands out to you that maybe is an example of an animal breaking the law, so to speak, but at the same time seems very much out of character to what we think about the traits of that animal? Do you follow me a little bit? Kind of what I'm saying. Do you have an example of something like
1: that? Yes. Yes. Okay. There, um, there was a situation with a a mountain lion, and this was something reported to me by somebody by a wildlife professional who was actually attacked by the creature um he got a call from a couple in a rural cabin saying this cat this mountain lion is stalking us in our house it's circling around the house i mean that, and the, the guy the um wildlife conservation officer it was up in canada he's like that's weird got to be you know he didn't really buy it so he shows up in his truck he gets out without his weapon and there's the cat. And it's literally like going up there, paw prints on the window. The cat is stalking humans, adult humans, in their home. That never happened. I mean, mountain lions, they, they they want to be going after deer or smaller animals. They're not. They're just not interested in humans as dinner. We are not on the menu. And to, to stalk like that, that's behavior that maybe in people's minds, they think that cat, mountain lions do that. But anyway... There it was, stalking these people. And it, it eventually it jumped on him and attacked him. He had to, like, yell to the people in the house, get me a knife! And the guy's like, well, there's one in the dishwasher. He's like, "Any me a knife! <laughs> get me uh-huh. a knife! Finally, he's able to, uh, as he called it, Bates Motel. He Bates Motel, the cougar. He, he survived the, uh, with some injuries to his leg, I believe. But they found out um, when they did a Necropsy, you know, an animal autopsy. But the this cougar, which was quite thin, it had a piece of a piece of a shoe blocking the entrance to the stomach, so it was it was not able it was not able to eat. It was basically starving. It was not. Uh, it had a a problem with you know processing its food normally, and so it was going after what it appeared to be, you know, here's a person in a box, that should be easy for me to get. Uh, so it was, a, it was a very weak and, and abnormal big cat, but that's a situation wow. that is, is what, well out of character for a mountain lion. They they are good stalkers, and they are effective predators, but they um, they're not... They're not interested in adult humans. They're, they keep their distance.
0: But this animal Normally, had eaten a human
1: shoe. <laughs> I don't, apparently, oh it was a piece gosh. of a piece of a sneaker, which makes it sound like the animal had consumed somebody right down to the foot. But I don't know how the sneaker got in there. But um, wow. Anyway, yeah.
0: So this that is of, a, um, yeah. well, all of this sort of begs the question then. After doing all of this research, uh, and I, you're probably, you're, as you were saying, maybe just sort of scratching the surface on this gargantuan subject, but what, what do we learn, what do you learn, what do we all learn, what's sort of a big takeaway here, what do we know about and now appreciate maybe, or at least aware or sensitive to, behavior in animals and expectations of animals and anticipations of animals maybe that we didn't know before? And how do how do we utilize that knowledge now? What do we do with it? What do we do with all this stuff?
1: Well, I think, um, you know, speaking for myself, I I had a tendency to even getting, you know, going down to the level of a of a rodent. Okay, a, a rat. I mean, I remember seeing a roof rat run across our deck uh, at one point while I was working on this book, and my immediate reaction was, go to the hardware store, get a snap It's a rat. And then I thought, it's not in our house. It's not, it's one, but they're kind of cute, roof rats. They don't like sewer rats. And I, and I, and I thought, well, all right, let's see. Um, see. You know, make sure he's not getting into the house. Uh, block any holes that would allow him to get in, him or her, to get into the house and, and chill out. Uh, in, in other words, it, it, stop and think about, is there a way to coexist peacefully? Is there is there a way to just, let that creature be in your yard without um, doing something about it is it, you know th- unless it's causing damage and and usually there's a way to exclude it to keep it from causing damage there's things you can do to, to your home to make it less likely that it's going to get in or uh, attack your chickens or you know there's there's strategies of prevention that are nicer for everybody than some of the solutions we tend to immediately think of, which is call somebody to make it go away. Making it go away often means killing it.
0: Do you have a, I guess, I guess. is there such a thing as a definition of a wild animal? And let me, let me give you an example. I mean, I think you sort of think the ones that live in the wild, but are there not animals that live in the wild that basically are pretty much sort of keep to themselves and don't, so to speak, break laws. And are there species oh, that are sure. a little bit more predisposed sure. to do whatever the hell they want to do?
1: <laughs> yeah, uh exactly. Yes, there uh, you know it tends to be some of the more intelligent ones that quote break the law because they've figured out, "Hmm, humans, huh, they tend to have interesting things to eat. How might I get at that stuff in the bird feeder? How might I get through that little cat door thing and find, you know, they're they're um they're very resourceful animals, and they're also in terms of their digestive system they're generalists they're able to um, make use of just about any food for you know bird, like gulls a gull is a creature that's got a very strong gizzard it can you know it can eat shells and anything nothing's going to bother it and and it's got a, you know, a powerful beak uh so it's it's able to come into our communities and Take advantage of our food, and so animals that are specialist eaters, or they're just very shy, and they haven't—you know—they are more wary than they are curious. Uh, we don't tend to even see those animals. So it's uh, a—it's a, really a handful of species that um, have figured out that we are something uh, uh, useful to them in terms of what we provide. So, yeah, for the most part, wild animals stay wild. And those are the ones that, um, uh, those are the animals that never end up on the most wanted list, so to speak.
0: Well, it is another wonderful, quirky look, uh, at the world in which we live. The title is called Fuzz, Uh, When Nature Breaks the Law by Mary Roach. Again, you have seen her work, uh, a variety of different publications, including, uh, Various hardback and paperback works. Uh, Mary, uh, how can people pick up a copy of Fuzz? And uh, what about checking out all the work that you've done in the past? Tell us about a website or ways they could get a hold of you if they've got some uh, deeper interest here.
1: Sure. Uh, uh, My website is maryroach.net. And all of the books, Stiff, Spook, Bonk, Packing from Mars, Gulp, Grunt, I got them all. Uh, they're all listed there, and there is uh, buying information. The books are available uh, through uh, bookshop dot org, I think it is, which is independent bookstores, Amazon, of course. And I'm on Twitter at uh, mary underscore roach.
0: So, uh, my gosh, you've done all kinds of things. What uh, any thoughts about your next project? Are you still? I know you're busy promoting this thing and and making sure that this project gets landed safely. But what about the future?
1: Uh, I am I am thinking of another uh book that is uh, and I may go back to the human body which has been my turf for most of my books this is this this one was a bit of an anomaly uh in that it was more about uh animals but I uh, I'm yeah I think I'm going to go back into the human body but I um uh, that's as far as I'm going to go right now cuz I'm It's really just getting rolling on it. All
0: right, we won't spoil it. Listen, Mary, thank you so much for spending part of your day with us. Uh, Best of luck with this thing, and again, of course, would like to have you back uh, again when that next project comes around.
1: I would love that, Warner. Thank you so much for having me.
0: You bet. We'll be back with more right after this on Lewis at Large. Mary, thank you so much.
1: Oh, oh, it's a pleasure. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. I always enjoy it.
0: Great. Tell Aaron hello from me.
1: I will. You All take, right. Take, take care, care Warner. Warner. Bye-bye. Yep. Okay. Bye.
0: Thanks for joining us for this installment of Lewis at Large. We add new conversations every week, and we like hearing from you. You can contact us via email at warnerflewis One at gmail.com. That's warnerflewis1 at gmail.com. And you can find out more at lewisatlarge.com or on the Lewis at Large Facebook page. And remember to subscribe to Lewis at Large. Check out Apple, Spotify, or Google Play. Now go have a great day.